Blog Talk Radio. This is Jay Lethal, the undisputed champion of the wrestling world. This is John Sullivan. It's Babs, I Michael Thompson talking. It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. This is Jerry Rose. Psycho Killer, Kamasa Champa. This is Matt Blair. Thank you for listening to Sportscast Radio. Sportscast Radio. Welcome to Sportscast Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. Sportscast Radio, coming a day later. Luke, I hope it doesn't throw off any sort of the equilibrium in your head or confuse your cerebellum, if you will, as I'm using all these gigantic words like I am a college professor, my friend. A.K.A. I'm asking you, how are you doing, man? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, and it actually gave me more time to think about more things to talk about, so it actually helped me. (laughs) That's what we like to hear. That is what we like to hear. We got... Awesome, awesome content coming tonight. Hour number two, 11 p.m. Peter Fantasy's coming on. Snydernoise.com. Excuse me on that one. I tried to hold on. Yeah, I think I did. I was watching Cam Talbot not stop pucks as the wild world winning two to nothing. I'm coming on talking that San Francisco 49er. I'm, I'm intrigued. To find out his thoughts. This is a different gentleman from the Niners than we had last time, Luke. So it's not the the anti uh, Mac Jones guy, but I'm sure he's equally as happy if there's no Mac Jones in San France. Also coming up tonight, we will be giving out our Week One NFL picks. The next 17 shows, we are going to give you everything you need for your picks. Put them down, write them down, get them in the wagers. We are going to come at you with a winning record when you go to Vegas, like we will be doing in October. Trust me, every year we have a winning record. Also, we each have a round of three strikes to deliver to one another. Game of Uber Facts that we will be playing with our great first guest coming up in just a moment, uh, giving him a little bit of redemption from last week when he played. Also, we have our real MVPs of the week. And we're going to get into some NHL playoff talk if we have time permitting before it's all over. But, Luke, what do you got? Anything before we jump in? I'm going to jump in about the Raiders. Let's go. <laughs> I understand. And, and damn it, if that's what you want to do, we're going to jump right into it as we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, back for the second time. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years. Carlos, welcome back, my friend. Hey, guys. Something's going. Can you hear me well? Oh, excited to have you back here. Last week we talked Jaguars, but now we're coming to get down your bread and butter. We're talking to Las Vegas Raiders, man, and we are going to dive in to every nook and cranny in this team. And I'm excited, Carlos Fabian, because I know you're. I, I, I know you got it. And I, I need to first and foremost, I need to apologize to the producer who put the wrong damn website on the page. I'm glad you clarified that. We will get this edited, but I'm going to tell you right now that this man is going to be given his washing papers and he's going to be sent home because they do not respect Carlos. They do not disrespect you, Carlos, and put them on website. How's it going, guys? Uh, <laughs> I'm having a hard time listening to you guys. Uh, so I don't know what, what can we do about this, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Can you hear me well? 
Yeah, I can hear you great. If I get closer, can you hear me better? So you know what would mean. All right, so I, I got to... Like, I can hear you with a lot of Spanish. That's why I don't want to sound rude or anything like that. Uh, oh, I apologize. I a lot of echo and a lot of Spanish. No, 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 it's okay. I just... Um, I don't know who's going to use it or what's happening, but I guess we're going to find a way to, to work things out. Either way, yes, uh, uh, I'm glad to be back. I'm really grateful for the invitation, so. So, let me, uh, I, I just want to ask you this. Do you have, do you have like, the, uh, like a radio on playing the podcast or the radio show? Hey, yeah, I'm in the radio show, but there is like a. So, if you, if you turn the radio show off, if you're listening to it, you turn it off, you'll get rid of your feedback. The thing, the thing is that I, actually I'm listening to myself in the show and I can hear everybody hearing me, but not in the phone. But let's let, let's try to give it a shot. I don't want to, I, I don't want to be a party pooper. So no, uh, no, you're if good. I don't get if, if you turn the show off, something. it'll get rid of the feedback. Like if you turn it off and don't listen to it, it'll get rid of all that feedback for you. Uh, well, let, let's give it a try. I already turned it off. Actually, I I tried to turn it on and. Uh, there's a lot of uh, either, either way, so let's give it a shot. Oh, you're so coming, how's it going then? You're coming through great now. I can hear you like a chant now. Uh, there uh, we go. So, so, what's up, guys? Let's get right yeah, into I, it. I think um, I can hear you a little better now. That's what we like to hear. Let's get right into it. I want to go right into your quarterback situation here. Derek Carr, you know, this is year seven, year eight, I believe. Is it is he the true answer, or is there is there a time where you guys should look and go, hey, maybe we could flip him to go play with Devontae Adams since they're best friends. Maybe we can get Aaron Rodgers. Are you comfortable with Derek Carr leading this Raiders team in the, in, in the new the new uh, Darth Vader dome or whatever they're calling it, the, the, the empire, if you will? Is Derek Carr the answer? You know, the thing about Derek Carr is that he's one of the most polarizing players in the league. He's not bad. He, he's not bad at all. If anything, he's a, depending on the season, he's a top six player, maybe. I mean, the, I guess the difference between Aaron Rodgers or the or the Tom Brady's or those elite quarterbacks is that Derek Carr needs a lot of support. He, he needs a supporting cast around him. He's the, the perfect storm for, for him to to be able to play at a high level, and Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, those kind of quarterbacks, they can they, they can play at a high level in spite of not having a, an adequate supporting cast. But but I don't think it's necessary to to trade for Aaron Rodgers. He, he of course he would be a great upgrade. I mean, I think outside the outside the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, I guess everybody. Even the Houston Texans at this moment, because of all the legal illegal trouble that Sean Watson is going through, I think that there are 28, 29 teams that would love to have Aaron Rodgers. But I think the Raiders need to 
I mean, they, they, they can win with their car. They just need to make sure that they provide in the adequate weapons. They, they, they need to make sure that they surround him with enough playmakers. And I think at this moment he's got more than enough weapons to, to make some noise in 2021. Speaking about those weapons that you were talking about for Derek Carr, um, their wide receivers are mediocre at best. I, they drafted Henry Ruggs last year in the first. Um, it is Does that not have a premier number one wide receiver, is that going to affect how we see that offense run this year or no? Well, it, it really depends. The thing is that uh, the Raiders don't really well, – the, the Raiders' number one receiver is Darren Waller putting aside the fact that he should have earned an all-pro designation. He, he's going to, he, he's uh, their car's favorite target. They do need Henry Ross to step up. But at the same time, they have other, I wouldn't say mediocre. I, I would call them uh, adequate service level. Uh, receivers such as from the Renfro, there's John Brown. I mean, if he can manage to stay healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if John Brown uh, gets a thousand yards and a thousand yards receiving this season. Because there is Hunter Renfro, I mean, as long as they get him involved, I mean, he should be his efficient self. So, so individually, yes, I agree. They 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 leave a lot to be desired, but when you when you leave them as a group as a unit, I think. They are better. I, I think that's a way to describe their the, the Raiders wide receiver calls. Individually, I would call them mediocre, yes. But as a whole, the sum of all the of all, of all the receivers, all of them together, they they, they are a serviceable above average unit. I wouldn't call them top ten. But I think Derek Carr will be able to get the job done with them. You know, I want to, I want to dive into the guy right behind Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, uh, first round pick last year, coming out of uh, two years ago, coming out of Alabama. Guy that I thoroughly have belief in. When I was in Vegas, I bought a Jacobs jersey. He's one of my keepers in fantasy. I am all on board with Josh Jacobs. Does the Kenyon Drake signing, along with still having Jalen Richard, you know, picking up Theo Riddick, Trey Regis coming in as an undrafted free agent, is this insurance in case something happens to Jacobs, or are they not fully behind him and they're thinking about running two or three running backs this year? Well, regarding just Jacobs, I guess last year uh, he had a relatively low for down season because. I guess when when you're looking at Joe Jacobs, you need to you need to take a look at the team. Yes, he didn't have a a good year if you compare it to two thousand nineteen, but you have to take into consideration that uh, the Raiders the offensive line was injured. I mean, other than Colton Miller, Colton Miller and I believe Rodney Hudson. Uh, they were down to their second stringers and third stringers. So, so I think that if the Raiders' offensive line manages to stay healthy, I guess that's a, 
I mean, this is pretty true for the player, but but I believe that the Raiders offensive line is going to stay healthy. Josh Jacob is going to stay healthy too, and he's going to have a year similar to to his rookie campaign. Now, uh, he and Drake, him and Drake, I'm sorry, uh, I like him a lot. Actually, uh, I wasn't a big fan of his, but then uh, I had the chance to talk to Mike Tonnenbaum, uh, the, the general manager that drafted him back in Miami, and he told me about the things he can do. So I went back and watched tape of him, and I think he's the kind of back that the Raiders need. He he's going to be the the perfect complement for just Jacob. So so going going back to to the running game as a whole, I think that just Jacob, well, Kim and Drake is the perfect complement for just Jacob. So so I don't think uh, the Raiders will have a need to overwork Jacob precisely because they have Drake. So, so I think that the running game is going to revolve around those two. So, there are not going to be many carries for anybody else in 2021. Speaking about that offensive line you were just talking about, are you at all worried about the state of that offensive line? Besides their left tackle, Colton Miller and Richie Incognito, the other three are either um, undrafted free agents, waiver claims, or rookies. Yeah. I was worried at first because it didn't, there didn't seem there didn't seem to be a, a plan. Like they were, they planned to release Kate Jackson and Robbie Hudson, but then they saw that things were interested in trading for them, so they backpedaled. So so at the time, uh, there didn't seem to be a plan. At the end, things worked out because they got Nick Martin. They, they they have played under James, but I don't see him starting the starting center spot. So even though Nick Martin is a downgrade from Rodney Hudson, I think if switching of units stays healthy, they have the potential to be a top twelve unit. Also Miller, uh, he he's a top fifteen left tackle. I don't think he's He's a top ranger. Maybe he has the potential to continue growing up. But uh, I wouldn't call you, I wouldn't call myself worried about the offensive line. I think that they're going to be between service level, like average and above average. So I believe they're going to finish between the top 15. Yeah, like between 15 and 10. I think that's the that's uh, how I see them. I, I think that uh, that's an adequate assessment of the Raiders offensive line. That's between 15 and 10. Um, unfortunate breaking news. I believe that was Riley Smith. Just took the lead for the Vegas Knights. Still got answered goals against the Wild. I'm about to break something. They're shooting the Wild 23-12 to 12 right now. Uh, so that was good, Luke. I think we're going to go down 2-1. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but that's okay. we'll, damn we'll wild. We'll, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Um, you know, this kind of ties for the offensive line a little bit. This is, uh, this is kind of the last question I got, too, about the offensive line. Um, Alec Ingold has been the fullback for the last couple of years, but you guys find uh, undirected rookie Garrett Groshek 
to come in and is essentially your number two fullback. Is there a thought that he could come in and take that top spot and you guys got a little bit of a steal there picking him up on free agency? I don't think so. I, I, I think the thing about uh, – you're talking about fullbacks, right? Uh, yeah. And you could, uh, the thing about James Rudin is that he's, he's kind of old school. He's, he's like a mix between uh, – and, and useful. So he continues using the fullback as his as his is an important part of the offense. But um, I don't think so. Going back to your question, I don't think so. Um, Derek Carr, the last three years, has thrown over four thousand yards and has never had a QBR under ninety three. Um, do you think if this team does not perform well this year, is this his last year as a Raider? Well, uh, again, their cards are good quarterbacks. I mean, uh, there are better quarterbacks than him, but uh, he's going to continue playing well. Uh, I wouldn't use the charts. I wouldn't use passing charts as an indicator of his performance. Uh, I've heard many people say that he's had many 4,000 yards, but the thing is that we're no longer in the 1980s. Back in the 1980s, or even the 70s, when Dan fights three for 4,000 yards, that was, that was an accomplishment. I mean, that was a big deal back in the 70s, 80s, 90s. But the throwing for, for 4,000 yards nowadays is the equivalent of throwing for 2,500 20 years ago. I mean, uh, do you expect uh, every year there are like nine, ten quarterbacks that throw for 4,000 4, yards? Uh, he's going to continue uh, being wise. Uh, he, he's not going to throw interceptions. You know that for a fact. When it comes to Carr, he's, he's efficient in that regard. He, he doesn't throw many interceptions. He needs to do a better job of holding the ball because when it comes to fumbles, He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. But uh, returning to your question, yes, he's going to have a, a good individual year. Quarterback as an individual player, he's going to he's going to have a good year, maybe maybe even outstanding. But as a team, I guess there, there's always something with the Raiders. Uh, I don't see them finishing. The, I, don't, I don't see them winning more than eight or nine games this year. It's true that they have a reinforcement this offseason, but so did everybody else. So I want to jump over to the defense here. Obviously, there's there's the big front four that we'll get to, I'm sure, at some point. Luke may bring it up. But I got to come into here as I know we have Nicholas Morrow. You guys signed Nick Kwiatkowski, Corey Littleton. But in my opinion, the most badass human being came out of the draft, and you guys got him. Third round, you guys took Divine Diablo, one of the greatest names I've ever heard for a player in my life. Is there hype in Raider Nation over Divine Diablo coming to your team? I, I guess his name got everybody's attention. I, I guess uh, you, don't, you don't hear any bad news. How many people whose last name is Diablo did you know? <laughs> I, guess. I mean, so... So it isn't just Raider Nation. I guess it's everybody. I mean, it's like, oh, shit, you're playing with Diablo? 
<laughs> I, mean, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that that uh, yeah, I mean that gets everybody's attention. Even uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if somebody even bans their children from watching Raiders game because they see Seattle on the TV screen. But uh, when you're against, uh, it kind of feels like Tanner Hughes last year. There was a lot of hype. There was a lot of hype because he was a defensive back, but then he was making the transition to linebacker. So, so yes, uh, putting aside the name, uh, I don't see him making a big or becoming a key contributor in his rookie campaign. Maybe down the road, but especially especially because the the the, the Raiders are set as linebackers. They have Corey Littleton. They have uh, Nicholas Morrow. They have. So I mean, they don't really—they they don't really have to play Diablo right away. So he will have the chance to learn the ropes, and unless somebody suffered an injury, starts to suffer an injury, I see him having a, a role in 2021. I, I, I just—I feel like Divine Diablo should be wrestling Black Toros at Arena Mexico for CMLL. Like, I, that's, that's what I think of when I see him. Like, I need to get his lucha ass. <laughs> I'm like, yes, let's go. And the wrestling nut, damn it, give me that one, Luke. I apologize. Sorry, I was laughing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Seriously, like him and Black Toro should be like squashing Laredo Kid and Bandito Jr. or something. Or El Dino <laughs> or something. <That's laughs> like, funny. let's go with the eyes of the Diablo. Uh, in the second round, you guys drafted Trevin Morig, which me and Ryan were super high on, and we thought he was going to go in the first round. Is he going to be an instant impact to help this defense out this year? I think so. Trevin Morig, and I think the, the, the social media we made a big deal about how we should pronounce his name because everybody would pronounce it Morig, but they, they told everybody that it's Morig. So... I think so. That's the thing, though. Getting into the draft, safety was one of the Raiders' most pressing needs. I mean, Jeff Hill is a great special teams player. He's a great leader. He's had a great game against the Kansas City Chiefs in week five, but he's an, uh, a playmaker. He's an, uh, he's an uh, upper tire starter. So so when, when Morris fell to the Raiders, I wouldn't call it a steal, but I was surprised he was available at 43. Um, he's going to, I, uh, based on what I'm seeing, Mayor is going to be the starter. I mean, he's going to be the starter by default pretty much. The, the Raiders don't really have anybody else to turn to. Now, uh, speaking of safety, somebody will be paying attention to is Terry Gillis, too. The, the Raiders have been waiting for Jonathan Abram to break out for the last few seasons, but he just doesn't have it. Uh, in his rookie campaign, he was injured. Then in his second year, he was more interested in delivering those big hits than actually playing safety. So, so if anything, uh, I see them trying somebody else. I see. I wouldn't call Abram a boss. I mean, I, I think it's true to call him a thought, but I think that the, the Raiders are going to try somebody else next to Mary. 
and I believe that Gillespie is one of the first players the Raiders are going to give a shot to. You know, as I mentioned, and I want to go back to it, that front four, Farrell, Hankins, bringing in Yannick Ndakwe, Malcolm Coons coming in from the third round. You guys got Solomon Thomas, uh, Carl Nassib sitting there, too. You, dra- you, know, you brought in Darius Stills undrafted. This team is deep as hell on that front four. Is this going to be the anchor of the defense? Is this what's really going to make a difference for these Raiders this year? I guess they're, they're, going to, they're going to make progress. They're going to take baby steps, I would say. Uh, I don't really trust the defense. I mean, there's some good things to, to like about their defense. I mean, the fact that they finally fired Paul Gunther, I mean, defensive coordinator Paul Gunther, I, I guess everybody was happy about it. It's like, why, why does he still have a job? It, it took Joe Gruden three years to, to realize that he wasn't the man to, to lead the team. Even linebacker Will Compton, he said on the radio, he wasn't the record saying that he wasn't a good teacher. So, 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 so the fact that they, they tried both Bradley to oversee their defense, that, that's a great positive. So is the addition of Danny Singapore. I mean, finally, my and going to be double team on every play, and he's healthy too. So, so I think uh, besides the Raiders linebacker coach, they're set at defensive team. Max Crosby, anything that way. But still, they, their cornerback room, their corners, their safety is yes. Trevor Mayer is a great prospect. He has a lot of potential, but he's unproven. So. But their their secondary, I would say that we have another work to do. Their front seven is okay. The, the, I, I think if their linebacker scores to the the strength of the defense. But when it comes to defensive tackles, I guess Solomon Thomas, he, he I guess he's got the pedigree because he's a first rounder. But again. He doesn't have the body of work. He doesn't have the production. So, so when it comes to the defense, it's a work in progress. I don't see them finishing this last or in the in the cellar, but I don't see them becoming a top 15 jury this year. I think that finishing around 16, 20 would be a great accomplishment. So this isn't about the defense or the offense, but I'm just wondering who you think is going to be the if the Raiders got to choose one of their players as their MVP for this upcoming season, who's that player going to be? Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. That's the thing, though. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I try to be as objective as I can with Carr. I, I think I, I have been very critical of him. I mean, if, uh, whenever I tweet something about the car, I get a lot of backlash. And, and that's the thing. He's supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to lead them. He's supposed to, to make everybody better around him. So far, he hasn't been able to. But uh, that doesn't take away from him the fact that he's a good player. So if you ask me who their MVP is, 
again, Max Cross is going to be very important. Jenny Kingako is going to help them rush opposing quarterbacks, but I don't see any any other Raider player having the same kind of impact that Derek Carr has. That's fair. That's fair. And that's kind of what you almost need is for that guy, you know, your anchor to be the man. Uh, before we wrap up, I got one last question for you. The the Ryan Cook special, if you will, as people know. What do you think the final record is? What are you guys finishing this year? 17 games. What's the final record? You know, I, think, uh, I don't think they're going to win more than nine games. Another thing, though, now, now it's prediction still funny now that the season has 17 games, but uh, I would have to go with eight, eight, one. Eight wins, eight losses, and one tie. <laughs> Eight eight one, I'll take it. We're, look, I'm I'm keeping note of these things. I'm writing everyone's predictions down. We're we're holding them up. We're having some fun this year with this. Um, Carlos, real quick, why don't you plug everything you got before we wrap up here once again for all of our great listeners? Could you could you say that again? Get, plug everything you got. Twitter, website, you know your oh, favorite sure, movie. Well, oh, okay, yeah, I got it. Uh, yes. Uh, for my Raiders words, you can follow Adi Raider Ramble. Uh, for any, or you just ask, I just love Baby 2. That's a great website, too, if you want to learn about the Raiders. And if you want to check my Jaguar's work, you can find me at blackandteal.com, at blackandteal on Twitter. So going back for everything you need to know about the Raiders, at the Raider Rumble. You can you can find me at the Raider Rumble or RaiderRumble.com. Carlos, before I let you go, do you want to have a redemption round? Would you like to play a game of Uberfax again? I didn't hear the left part. I thought, you, you, do you want to have a week of redemption? And would you like to play one more game of Uberfax with us? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm listening to you. I don't want to. We're having the same issue we were having at the beginning of the program, but. No, it's all good. It's all good, man. Thanks for having us figure it out. We'll be, we'll, we're going to have you back, okay? We'll get this connection figured out, all right? Sure, sure. No, I mean, I apologize. I mean, no. I guess uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure to, to, to be invited again, I guess. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. And I apologize because probably my phone, the one that isn't working, the, the one that is getting static. It's all good. I got, I got a couple backup ideas for next time we'll do, okay? We'll make, we're going to make this work because I want to chat again, all right? Sure. No, it's okay. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Sam. Carlos Sanchez coming in. We're going to, we're going to, unfortunately, unfortunately, we're going to have to move, move on from that one. Uh, Luke, uh, is there something you want me to play? Cut that bitch off. Cut that bitch off. Let's move on here, Kyle. Damn it! As we expand our NFL knowledge, we're gonna we're gonna do a twofer real quick here. We're gonna do a twofer, as you like, as I would like to say. We were going to jam on the game real fast, and then uh, his connection didn't work through, so we couldn't get it going. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna regroup, and and if you'll if you'll diverge with me, I think that's a that's a good word. Try to find the damn sound clip. This is why I'm wasting time here. So I, do, I did find it. First and foremost, let me grab this. Mr. Jessica, welcome to the show. Hey. You know, I, really, I thought that was the 
That was the best, absolute best Minnesota goodbye I've ever heard on air. It was fantastic. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And don't <laughs> so well, right. hey, I, I, I think, I think, I think they could be sneaky fun to watch, man. They still got a lot of young talent, especially in the receiving core. Like, ooh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say they're not, they're not gonna be something that they enjoy watching. Are you talking about the Raiders right now? Yeah. yeah. The Raiders are gonna suck buttholes. No, they're gonna, but they're gonna still be fun to watch. No, be fun to watch. No, regardless. Maybe if Aaron Rodgers goes there. Ooh, but mm. does that does that get this? Um, does that get this? A spit take? Was that a spit take? I, I, I don't know about I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but let's let's jump right into it. Coming back, returning guest, friend of the show, Mr. Peter. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, what's happening? How are you guys doing? Yeah, we are doing fantastic, and it's good to have you back here. And I believe last time, you weren't writing for the Niners, were you? Yeah, was then, still am, doing everything over at Niner Noise, part of the fan side of the network. Why did I think we had, I I was thinking it was, for some reason I had you, oh, you know what, I know, I know, I figured out, I figured out my ways. I'm going to shut my mouth. Who's playing a video game? They are jamming hard. Is that you, Jordan? I, I can't. I, yes. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay, because you're on for a segment. We got to do this right now. Peter, I wanted to bring you in here for this, because I don't remember if you did this with us last time. I, I, I'm i hoping you did, but I can't remember. It was a while ago, because we took a little hiatus from SportsCast, focused on the wrestling. But last time you were with us, did you play around at UberFax with us, sir? I think I did. I think I, I did. I think you did, too. So let's yeah, get right to that. it here. Jordan wants to get back in. He wants to He wants to defend his title. And I was going to give Carlos an option, but the connection wasn't working. I think he's been uh, – he, he's across the border, and I think they have bad phone lines there. So it wasn't working very well. I digress. We will bring him back. But for that reason, we're going to go right to this. Uber facts. The most unimportant things you'll never need to know. Guys, I have four facts for you this evening. You have to sniff out which is the incorrect fact. I will read them off for you. You can go first. Jordan will go second. Luke will have you go last, being you're the co-host right now. Let's give you the, the first fact. Istanbul has vending machines that dispense food and water for stray animals when you insert a plastic bottle. Number two. Africa is the only continent with land on the prime meridian and the equator, as well as the only continent with land in all four hemispheres. Number three, in 2019, Microsoft Japan shifted to a four-day work week and saw a 40% decrease in productivity. And number four, the United States is the world's largest explorer of sperm. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think I'm going to go number two. Number two? All right, he's going to go with Africa, not being in 1,800 places. Jordan, what is your choice? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to keep it simple, man. I think the, the work week one uh, does not make sense. I think, I think there were some great productivity increases overall. So he's going to go for the Japan one. Luke? I'm also going with Africa. All right, so we got to see what that you guys are smart to stay away. The United States is the coon capital of the world. 
So that is <laughs> a true fact. <laughs> um, also, you were smart to stay away from the Istanbul. Uh, we are correct there. Which means somebody gets a W. And Jordan, you have successfully defended your title. The correct fact is actually w, baby. Japan shifted to a four-day work week and saw a 40% increase in productivity, not a decrease. You stiffed it out, therefore you sort of get the win. I'm, I'm eating W's like Jameis Winston right now. Just, you know, just, just, just letting y'all know that uh, that I appreciate being on for for this segment, if anything at all. I love the sports uh, talk. Miss being on. Uh, that being said, you, you can go ahead and hit hit that hit that sounder and let me listen. I will hit you that. I'm going to hit you with two sounders. You're going to hit with this one first. Oh, my man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. We're going to hit you with that one first because that's a damn good one. Um, with that being said, uh, in the words of our friend Reverend X, Jordan, it was a pleasure. Cut that bitch off! Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Jensen, former co-host of the show, coming in. Why is it playing with facts? But that is beside the point. Because it is time to talk one of the most intriguing teams of this offseason, the San Francisco 49ers. And you know exactly where I'm going to go to start this. It's not even a question. Number three pick, Trey Lance, coming into this team. It seems like, I don't know, you gave up on Jimmy Garoppolo two years removed from a Super Bowl. You didn't take Matt Jones, which most people are probably happy about. What is your thoughts on this quarterback carousel that's going on? Josh Rosen in the house, ladies and gentlemen. What's going down in San Fran? Well, I think probably the easiest thing he can do is just cross Josh Rosen off the list. I mean, that's that was a late-season pickup just to account for all the injuries the 49ers had last year, which is easy enough. You know, I mean, you got to look at the facts. Jimmy Garoppolo's missed the bulk of time in two of the last three years. And you know, I, I hate the quarterback win stat. It's such a lazy stat to look at. Oh, you know, quarterback wins. Well, there's you know, other guys on the field, too. But – you know, there is kind of a correlation. The 49ers have won when Garoppolo has been on the field. 2019 is a good example of that. But he hasn't been on the field much for two of the last three seasons. So, you know, that's one thing that convinced Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, to, to rethink this whole thing. And to go with someone who's young, uh, raw, but young, and Trey Lance, who turned 21 years old after the draft, um, with the hopes of bringing him along slowly, not forcing him into a situation where he has to start right away, uh, that's hopefully going to be the beneficial part. And I think what the 49ers understand, to be successful in, in today's NFL, you need the playmaking quarterback, not the guy who just stands out in the pocket and, and that's that. I mean, you look at someone like a, like a Patrick Mahomes or, or, um, or Josh Allen up in, up in Buffalo, those two guys can extend plays and make the, the off-script type stuff happen. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo can't really do that. Mac Jones couldn't really do that. Uh, Trey Lance, even though his floor is pretty low, uh, um, or, or you know, he, there's a risk of a bust factor there, his ceiling is exceptionally high. And the 49ers obviously taking this big swing for the fences type gamble. But if it pays off, they're set up for the next 10 years. What should we expect out of Jimmy G? This coming, coming back from that injury, and then with the third overall Trey Lance sitting behind them. Are we going to see, like we saw in Green Bay last year with the Jordan Love Aaron Rodgers thing, or do you think Jimmy G is going to digress? 
Well, so Aaron Rodgers has <laughs> he's got the pedigree to be to be pissed off, you know. He's got the resume to to say, "Hey, look, you're not going to you're not going to replace me until I'm ready to to be replaced." Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have that resume. You know, it's pretty plain and, and clear that, you know, Garoppolo is a, you know, a good quarterback. I, I won't say he's he's awful. Um, but Garoppolo understands that this is going to be kind of his last chance to, to, to really impress anybody. So, you know, provided he stays healthy and the 49ers invested a lot in upgrading the offensive line, if the rest of his skill players like George Kittle, Devo Samuel stay healthy, um, you know, that should bode well for him. You know, the 49ers want to see him succeed because ultimately they'd probably like to trade him um, a year from now, you know, or a little less than a year from now and, and get something decent in return. The only way that's going to recoup anything of value is if Garoppolo plays well. And Garoppolo, of course, wants to play well, and he's got, what, 24 million reasons to, to stay in San Francisco because, <laughs> let's face it, if, if he's gone – you know, no team's going to sign him, you know, if he's straight up, straight up cut, no team's going to sign him to that type of money. And even if he's traded sooner than later, um, he's going to have a restructured deal. So the 49ers are one of the few teams out there that could make Garoppolo's contract work uh, while also spending money on a, on a rookie quarterback who's not going to cost too much, at least not right at the outset. So, you know, both parties, the 49ers, Jimmy G, they both want to do well. And eventually when that transition takes place, it'll happen. Now that said, if Trey Lance closes the gap and gives the 49ers just as good of a chance to win as, as Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kyle Shanahan will make the switch. You know, it's not going to be one of these stubborn things like, well, you know, we need Jimmy to finish out the season and Trey Lance is good to go, but you know, we want Jimmy to finish the year. That won't be the case. You know, and, and if, if, if Lance's development comes along quicker than anticipated, you could see Garoppolo uh, being moved, but I don't think that's going to happen quite just yet. It might take a little while. What's going down with this running back fiasco? Raheem Moses, Jeffrey Wilson, Trey Sermon, Wayne Gallman, Elijah Mitchell coming into – I almost said Elijah McNeil, former co-host. Elijah Mitchell. I mean, there's a lot of names, but I don't sense anything that's going to scare a, a defense. Am I, am I crazy? Like, what's the thought process? Is this, is this a true running back by committee, or is there some diamond in the rough one I've seen here? Yeah, you know, well, one of the things that, about Kyle Shanahan's offense, he, 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 you've got the committee, and he's done that um, pretty much historically ever since, you know, he, he took over in 2017. There's always been a rotation of guys. Now, he will go with the hot hand. But a lot of times, and this is kind of what the plan was the last two years, what he did with Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman would start, but he'd only see carries maybe over the first two quarters. And that was Shanahan's way of kind of testing out the defense, figuring out weak spots, what kind of players would bite on what type of plays. And then he would give the ball to Raheem Mostert um, in the second half with Jeff Wilson kind of being the, the, the spell tailback and a guy who uh, who can catch passes out of the backfield too. Now, right now, the 49ers have six running backs. They're not going to keep all those guys. Um, you know, Wayne Gallman, I thought, was a really smart signing earlier uh, during the offseason, a guy that does pretty well in, in outside zone, um, you know, kind of an underrated pass catcher, you know, a lot younger than Raheem Mostert. 
Um, but that was before the 49ers drafted Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. And, you know, it, the 49ers didn't know they were going to get those guys. And, and Gallman's here for, you know, a one-year deal. And I, I don't think he has any guaranteed money on his contract. So it wouldn't be too hard of a cut to let him go and then kind of turn things over to, you know, two younger players like a Sermon, like a Mitchell. Um, Raheem Mostert's going to be 29 years old. I think he is 29. He's going to be a free agent next year. Jeff Wilson's going to be a free agent next year. So you're going to see a bit of a transition. And considering the injuries the 49ers have had at the position, including Mostert and Wilson last year, probably makes a lot of sense to stockpile those. So I anticipate the Niners are going to keep at least four running backs on their roster. Will Debo Samuel make that next turn to become? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I mean, without sounding like a homer, I, I sure hope he would. <laughs> and 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 kind of one of the reasons why you, know, you have to factor this in. Um, yes, yesterday, last year was supposed to be the year that he broke out. You know, his rookie year, I think he had what, 961 all-purpose yards. You know, you could use him as a wide receiver. You could use him as a jet sweep running back. But, you know, last year being so weird with COVID, uh, some of the Niners got together with their own, like, impromptu practices. Samuel broke his foot, missed all of the off-season program, um, including training camp and, you know, not getting any of those reps anyway with OTAs and no mini camps and kind of a weird training camp. Nothing's going to replace that. So I'm no medical expert, but all too often when you have someone suffer, like, a leg injury <laughs> and they recover and they come back for some odd reason. So often another <laughs> leg injury pops up sometime shortly thereafter and sure enough it did. And there, you know, uh, Samuel suffered a hamstring injury. And so, you know, the, the abilities there, um, the scheme's going to be there. And as long as people stay healthy, yeah, I think he could turn into, you know, a, a, a very, very good player. You know, I, I'm a little higher on Brandon Ayuk being a true number one, but, you know, as far as a really high-end number two, Debo Samuel can be it. You know, the wide receiver position, I'm glad we were talking about this, has gotten a little bit of depth in, in, in more of an odd way, I guess you could say. You, you look at, obviously, Ayuk and, and Samuel as your top two, but Mohamed Sanu's back there, Jalen Hurd's back there, uh, Travis Benjamin was signed, who's back there, Marquise Lee, uh, former first-round pick from the Bears, Kevin White is even back there, you know, sitting as like a fourth, fifth receiver. Jawan Jennings, you know, a seventh rounder a couple of years ago. Is there more depth that if Samuel can't produce or there is issues that they can step up and actually make some noise this year with this wide receiver core? Maybe. The only thing with some of the names, though, is I don't know how much faith I'd place in them. You know, Mohamed mm-hmm. Sanu had a, had a cup of coffee with the 49ers last year. I think he was acting, he was there for like two games or something like that before being released again. Um, Jalen Hurd has never seen a regular season snap. He's been hurt both years. So his goal, to stay healthy. Like, if you can just stay healthy and, and do something, that would be fine. Um, you know, we'll see about Jawan Jennings. You know, he could have been a, a day two draft pick a year ago, but had that awful 40 time at the combine. Not fast anyway, but, you know, he was one of those players last year that clearly struggled because he didn't have that, that you know, those rookie minicamps, OTAs. But, you know, there are a, a, a lot of names there. It's just who's going to rise up. You know, Marquise Lee is the most recent addition, and he's dealt with some knee injuries the past few years, opted out last season. Um, 
the idea is going to be for the 49ers to figure out a way to, to replicate what Kendrick Bourne was able to do. Bourne, of course, signed with the Patriots as a free agent during the offseason. So the thinking here is to get that player who can be, you know, kind of that tertiary option. You know, the guy who's good for two or three catches a game, you know, a third down target, you know, a possession receiver. Uh, training camp's going to decide a lot of that, you know, and, and there are a lot of names. You could see someone like a Richie James pop up who's been scantily used, but when he's been out there, he's been productive. You know, maybe Mohamed Sanu would actually benefit from spending an entire off season with the program, and he's played under Kyle Shanahan before with the Falcons. So it, it's kind of an open-ended question. But, you know, one of the nice things about it is that you have so many bodies there who do have experience, you know, and I'm talking about the Marquise Lees and you know, Trent Sherfields and Mohamed Sanu's of, uh, you know, of the depth chart that – you know, there there are options to go with. You just have to see who kind of you know rises above the top behind Samuel and Ayuk. What kind of offense should we expect to see from the 49ers this year? Is it going to be like a couple of years they were a heavy running team, or are they going to let Jimmy G kind of open up and throw the ball? Well, you know, with Kyle Shanahan, I mean, it's it's always going to be a, a pretty run heavy uh, run heavy offense. And, and, and Garoppolo really did thrive on being able to play off of that. So when you actually have the play-action type systems where, you know, the Niners are able to establish the run fairly early, um, that's when Garoppolo played well. Um, at times when the 49ers' run game wasn't going in, in 2019, you know, I'm thinking that one, I think, uh, the Halloween game in Arizona, um, or even against the Saints, that one crazy back-and-forth game where it's like, nah, you can't run the ball, you got to just air it out. First of times Garoppolo carried the offense and actually, like, you know, made plays with his arms. You saw why people were excited about him. I just don't know if that's the regular expectation. And I think that while he's never came out openly and said it, I do think Jimmy Garoppolo uh, is – kind of lost the trust of Kyle Shanahan. And, I mean, even in Garoppolo's efforts last year, I mean, a lot of his passing numbers were little shovel passes, like literally, you know, a running back or, or a wide receiver, you know, cutting right in front of Garoppolo and shotgun. And he literally just tosses the ball two feet, and whoever catches it is taken off for, you know, 20 yards, and that turns into a 20-yard pass. So I, I don't necessarily think the 49ers are going to go straight with, hey, Jimmy G, go, go wear it out, go have fun with that. I do think it's going to be a lot more of your, um, your, your standard running game, and then hopefully uh, for Garoppolo's vantage point, he's able to play off that. Did, uh, did Aaron Banks being drafted the second round have anything to do with, obviously, you know, he's more towards guard than tackle, but Trent Williams you picked up from Washington – you know, went on the COVID list, got hurt, didn't really do a lot. Is there a little security, or is it more just trying to back up this line, Skule, McGlitchney, Alex Mack, you know, Weston Richburg still sitting back there as a backup center? You know, decent decent front five, which I think is the one, you know, one strong part San Fran really has. But, you know, Jalen Moore also grabbing, uh, you know, Gutierrez coming out of free agency. You know, there was moves made at, at the, the offensive line. Is there any concern, or is it just backup? Uh, well, Aaron Banks, I honestly think he's probably going to wind up plugging in at right guard um, right away. You know, one of the things – so many wrinkles with this, because Aaron Banks isn't so much of a uh, a, a zone-style 
lineman. You know, he's kind of more of a power guy. So that's interesting. You know, not saying that he won't be able to move at all, but mm-hmm. uh, one of the things about him is pass protection. The guy, I think he went all last year at Notre Dame without giving up a sack, and I think in the last two years it was just one. So last year with all the injuries, you know, uh, Weston Richburg, who was a starting center, missed all of 2020 because he was hurt in 2019. Backup center Ben Garland goes down. Uh, this guy, Hronis Grossu, that like no, people are like, who? Like, he goes down. So Dan, Daniel Brunskill, who's kind of a backup lineman anyway, who is going to be starting at right guard, he bumps over to center. It was a rotating door at guard, and the O-line minus Trent Williams was not good. It was, I mean, it, people were shuffling all over the place. Aaron Banks helped solidify that, you know, and he has a pretty good, you know, track record for staying healthy too. So that was my take. It was like, okay, 49ers spent a second round pick on a guy who's really good in pass protection. That's got to be the focus. Um, Alex Mack, of course, comes aboard. He's going to be the starting center. Someone who's worked under Kyle Shanahan, very good at calling out protections, uh, you know, a natural fit in his own style system i mean yeah he's older but kyle shanahan likes experience there and so you know with someone like jalen moore coming in you know he's more of a natural zone style lineman probably pegged as a guard at the nfl level but someone who could compete for one of those backup spots you know daniel brunskill goes back to being a backup uh jalen moore competes for a backup job and you're looking at like a justin school or a colton mckivitz also serving as a backup role so you know, 49ers probably carry eight, nine offensive linemen this year with, with one of them at least inactive every week uh, just to guard against injury. But, yeah, that unit's a lot beefed up now. You know, hopefully the same problems that dogged it because of injuries last year don't repeat. So last thing I got on the offense here before we, you know, put the ball around, is George Kittle going to be the answer to not only this offense, but if Trey Lance comes in, is he going to be the rookie's best friend as the tight end, or do you think Trey Lance doesn't need to rely on a guy like Kittle? Young, young players, a tight end is a young quarterback's best friend, you know, especially <laughs> if you have someone who's dynamic and prolific. I mean, that, that, that's the rule more often than not. You know, and, and, and it's one thing if you've got a, just a good tight end, you know, or you guys are talking Raiders and, and, and Darren Waller, and, and I'm just like, okay, yep. You know, Darren Waller is a great guy for getting yardage. George Kittle is a great all-around tight end. You know, the guy can block, he can act as a decoy, he can block in space, he can block in line, he can run routes over the middle, he's got, you know, yards after the catch. All of those sort of things are important. Um, the thing for me that's really, you know, kind of you know, provocative with this is you look back at Kittle's career and, you know, if you gave me 20 minutes, I could probably put it all together. But he's been productive no matter who has been under center for the 49ers the past, you know, three, four years. Um, Be it, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, of course, yes, you know, productive in 2019, but also Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, you know, quarterbacks who really shouldn't be playing, but in emergencies, uh, George Kittle was raking out stats too. I mean, you go back to when Kittle set the single season record for most receiving yards by a tight end. That was 2018 when Garoppolo was injured in week three, and it was C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins the rest of the way out throwing the ball, <laughs> and yet Kittle was still able to break an, an, an NFL record. So that should tell you something. 
So, I mean, one of the key aspects of it, and this is going to be something that, especially early in its development, needs to happen, you know, is the 49ers' skill players, they need to stay healthy. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, they're going to be in the playoffs every year because, guess what? Patrick Mahomes, for the most part, stays healthy. Travis Kelsey stays healthy. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill, you know, these guys are on the field more often than they're not. Um, that's going to be critical. So Kittle was banged up last year. Samuel was too. Garoppolo, of course. But, you know, if, if Lance's weapons in coming seasons wind up staying healthy, then, yeah, his job's going to be a lot easier. It's if the 49ers wind up having to rely on depth players like, you know, a Ross Dwelly or, a, a, you know, a River Craycraft, who nobody around the league would know outside of, you know, the real passionate 49ers fans going, oh, yeah, that's that's wide receiver number six, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, Washington Trey Lance State is nowhere near, yeah, yeah, it's like, wait, who? Yeah, yeah. I remember during that, uh, it was, yeah, it was that, like, I think that Packers game um, against the Packers, the 49ers and Packers Thursday night football last year. And it was like, oh, River Craycraft. And I'm like, I'm like texting my boss who's a big Packers fan. And she's just like, who is that guy? I'm like, I think I just learned his name about 10 minutes ago. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, if, yeah, if Trey Lance is, is forced to rely on those guys early in his career, that'll be problematic. You know, a lot of young quarterbacks who are drafted high, they go to teams without a lot of weapons. 49ers have a lot of weapons. <laughs> they just got to stay healthy. River Craycraft reminds me of the guy I brought up when you know I was talking to the Raiders with Divine Diablo. Just a dude like by his name, you're like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm buying a, a Divine Diablo jersey. I'm telling you, man, that's so dope. I want him on my pro wrestling summit on my Twitch. Like he's gonna be my world champion. He's gonna, he's gonna defeat yeah, the Zucho, Kata, and Walter. Yeah, it, Divine Diablo sounds like a magician, and then like River Craycraft. When I when I when I think of him, I, I think of like boating. I think like a Chris Craft boat and going up and down a river. And I'm just like, it, I think it's like, like I just can't get it out of my mind. Like a sea yeah. captain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to have that little sailor's cap, and I would be like, okay, I buy it. Like I'm in. Yeah, yeah for sure. I remember watching the draft and the guy, and it was I don't remember who was. I think it was the. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't Goodell, it was the, the, the woman. And she's like, Divine Diablo. And I stuck my head up. I said, what the hell? I said, let's go, <laughs> man. I am in. But anyway, we I digress. I apologize. No, you're good. Anytime I could bring him up, I have to. <laughs> I'm going to transition over to the defensive Mar- side Mar- of the ball here. Barke- I remember when Barkevius Mingo was drafted, and I was like, that's the tightest name. Oh, my God. I remember Max Kellerman's like, Barkevius Mingo is the dude who walks in with a broad sword ready to fight Conan. Yeah. <laughs> that's so hard. Right, anyway, I'm transitioning over to defense for us here, which is like a lot of people think is the true strength of this team. Um, with Richard Sherman leaving this year, can Jason Verrett step into those shoes and be the true number one corner? We've seen him struggle in his career before, but we've also seen him succeed tremendously before. You know what's really interesting about this, and it's kind of reflected in the 49ers draft efforts. So, I mean, Jason Verrett's back on a one-year deal. Great year last year. I mean, if Alex Smith didn't do what Alex Smith did, 
you know, Verrett could have been in contention for comeback player of the year. I mean, the guy played what, I think six regular season games between 2016 and 2019, just always hurt. You fit, I mean, you felt awful for him and then played exceptionally well. Could have been a pro bowler. Um, the injury history is a concern, you know, no doubt about that. And in you know, the 49ers bring in two cornerbacks in the draft, uh, Dimadori, Lenore, and uh, I probably just butchered his name, um, and then uh, and then Ambry Thomas out of Michigan. I, I, both of those guys are press man corners. You know, they're 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 more in man coverage, whereas like a Richard Sherman uh, was more of a zone cover. And then it, part of me just kind of wonders because Verrett's good enough to do you know whatever he can be in zone or in man. But part of me wonders if the 49ers are going to try to take a little bit of pressure off this secondary by blitzing a little bit more. Now, they blitzed quite a lot last year. They had to. You know, all of their pass rushers were out with injury. Nick Bosa was, you know, out. D. Ford was out. You know, and the Niners had one of the slowest defensive lines, yet, you know, they blitzed a lot more and still had, I think, a top five ranked defense, at least in terms of yards allowed. So, you know, that was kind of the trade-off. So, Part of me wonders with a lot of these young cornerbacks, especially if Verrett can, you know, stay healthy, and he's only back for one year, is it just a sort of transitionary period? Um, and are the 49ers going to have to rely a little bit more on blitzing to take pressure off guys like Verrett and some of these younger guys? So if Verrett stays healthy, yeah, you know, he'll be a fine number one. I mean, the guy was a pro bowler before he started getting hurt all the time. Uh, but it's a big if. He's been hurt a lot. Is the, uh, the front four – the centerpiece, you know, Armstead, Zach Kerr, Javon Kinlaw, Nick Bosa, D. Ford coming off the, you know, back up two if need be, Contavious Street, not too bad. Is that is that the core? Is that the guys who are going to run the show? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And and one of the things too that you saw um, during the offseason, I mentioned that you know last year, especially with like Ford out, Bosa out. The Niners' defensive line just lacked speed. It was like watching them try to rush the passer, and they had strength, but just so slow. So, you know, I mean, Zach Kerr's brought aboard, and, you know, Broncos and Panthers fans can remember. I mean, he's, he moves for, you know, a nose tackle. You know, he's, he's pretty fast. Uh, Jordan Willis, kind of a situational pass rusher who, you know, never quite worked out earlier in his career. I think he had like three and a half sacks last season for the 49ers. So not bad situational guy, um, but he's fast. Um, and, and hopefully if Nick Bosa with that ACL tear, he comes back, Samson, Samson Ebicam, uh, you know, it's another situational guy. Um, he's fast. So speed was the name of the game for the 49ers defensive line during the off season. And, you know, they're, they're, they're banking on players, you know, brought over from the Raiders, you know, Arden Key, we'll see, you know, Arden Key used to be a pretty high profile draft pick, Maurice Hurst, really good, pretty fast interior lineman. Um, you know, so you have some depth there, you know, that was the strength of the 49ers in 2019. And if one of those new off season acquisitions like Zach Kerr or, or Maurice Hurst winds up you know, performing well enough, then yeah, that'll be a good thing for San Francisco. But obviously, yeah, your big playmakers like uh, you know Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, hopefully takes that next year leap. Uh, those are going to be the guys that dictate what happens, especially if Bosa's not able to come, or not Bosa. I'm sorry, uh, D Ford's not able to come back with that back injury. I don't know if he'll be back anytime soon. Speaking about Nick Bosa, um, two years ago when he won Rookie Defense of the Year, he recorded nine sacks. He had an out 
outstanding season as a rookie. Should we expect him to return back to that form, or do you think there will be some setbacks from that season-ending injury he suffered last year? You know, honestly, and, and it's so hard to say just because – I'm not going to try to play the medical expert, but <laughs> it, 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 so many stuff, so many things I read, players who've, who've said about this, you know, they, they spend a year in recovery, right? It's like you injure that, it's going to take you a full year to get back to being able to play again. But then it takes another year or so to kind of iron out the kinks and uh, to have faith in that knee again. And, um, you know, it's one thing if if you're – I don't know. It, it can be more complicated depending on the position. Nick Bosa doesn't have to juke, but you know he's got to do swim moves and rolls, and and, and the guy can move for you know a big defensive end. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if it if he kind of has a little bit of a you know, I guess a down season, and you know maybe seven sacks. That's not a terrible year for most pass rushers, but someone in Nick Bosa's caliber, you probably expect a little more. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked that if you know, he was a little slower this year, you know, not quite the prolific type of person he was just until he gets that knee comfortable again. Um, just cause you see that so much, you know, player his first year back after tearing an ACL just, you know, kind of takes a little bit to get acclimated again. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Of course, anything above that, that's just a bonus. Yeah. How does your linebacker core feel this year? It's, it's a lot of players as, as we see, but I don't feel it's got the, I don't want to say star power because I don't want to downgrade anybody, but you know, you remember back in the day with Patrick Willis and such, like the linebackers on the Niners were the guys. This year just feels like a bunch of players. Am I right? No, Fred Warner was an all pro. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Don't talk about my boy, Fred Warner, like that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Fred Warner. It it feels like just some guys. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no like, yeah, behind it. Well, yeah, Fred, Fred Warner will be that guy. I mean, he's in line. Either him or Darius Leonard are going to be the highest-paid linebacker in the league after Bobby Wagner. He's got $18 million annual. Um, Fred Warner and, and Darius Leonard are probably going to surpass them both. Um, you know, but, I mean, Fred Warner's the guy. But, you know, you're right to a sense because you go back and you remember a Patrick Willis and a Navarro Bowman. I mean, that was the tandem. Um, oh. Drake Greenlaw is the, the number two linebacker. And, you know, a, a good number two linebacker, not, you know, obviously nowhere close to, to Fred Warner's level, but, uh, you know, a, a guy who was drafted in, I think, what, fifth round um, his rookie year, had that memorable stop against the Seahawks in week 17. That's great. But, you know, kind of suffered a little bit of a setback, took some wrong angles in coverage. Everybody says, oh, look at the tackle numbers. Well, if you give up a you know ten yards and then tackle a guy, you know where does that show up? So you know, Dre Greenlaw's fine. I mean, it's it's not like he's a you know a bad linebacker, but you know you don't have that that tandem group. Some of the depth behind them, um, you hope those two guys stay healthy. Although there's a young rookie, not a rookie, third year linebacker. I remember when he broke in um, as an undrafted rookie, Aziz Al Shire, um, really struggled his rookie year. But last season, getting some chances to play, getting some starts, looked okay. You know, you wouldn't have the name recognition. You know, nobody knows who he is outside of, you know, the 49ers fan base. But, you know, looked all right. You know, definitely a quality reserve guy. And then, of course, um, another undrafted free agent, Justin Hilliard, out of uh, 
Ohio State. That was a guy that Nick Bosa really lobbied the Niners front office to go after once the draft was done. And, and injuries have been tough on Hilliard. He's had like a six-year college career. But, you know, when healthy, if, if he had stayed healthy in college, he probably would have been like a, you know, a round four pick or something like that. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out. I mean, the guy's a rookie, and you never know how those guys are going to do at the NFL level. But uh, Fred Warner's the leader of that crop, and, uh, you know, so important to that defense. There's no way the 49ers screw this up as far as re-signing or extending him, <laughs> I mean. So, uh, but, yeah, you know, you, you wonder a little bit about the depth and the strength still surely resides in that defensive line. You just hope the linebackers, especially those beyond Warner, um, can rise to the challenge. Sorry. I didn't realize I was muted and I was talking the whole time. My bad. Um, (laughs) That's normal during a a pandemic. I think we've all done that on our Zoom. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, I think this defense is going to finish this year. I have them in the top five. Um, the Sorry, only William Carlson just scores four two Vegas. Dang, oh, something, but, something with the Wilds be having and Ryan's uh, being dancing. Uh, <laughs> well, um, shot thirty eight to fourteen, man. Are you kidding me? We're the state down. of hockey, and we suck it, ass at hockey. Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Is is the defense going to get back up to one of the premier defenses in the league? Do you think? I, I think it'll be good. Uh, I don't think it's going to be anything close to 2019. And I honestly don't think it's going to be anything close to 2020. Um, and that's not necessarily bad. It's just, you know, I have concerns about the secondary. It's, you know, if the, if the entire secondary stays healthy, great. Um, but it's pretty thin. And then behind the starters, it's pretty untested. Uh, the, the front seven is fine as long as it stays healthy, but the Niners are rolling out a new defensive coordinator in D'Amico Ryan. Full confidence in him to become a good coordinator. Uh, you know, the guy did well when he was playing, you know, back with Houston and, and Philly. Linebackers are kind of like, I, I don't know, they're the quarterback for the defense or they're the catcher in baseball. And catchers always tend to make good managers. Um, so, you know, that'll be a challenge, but, you know, full confidence in him. But year one could be a bit of a learning curve. And I flashed back to Robert Sala, who was 49ers defensive coordinator the last four years. Um, his first few years as a defensive coordinator, you know, not good. You know, I mean, he was trying to implement a scheme for which the 49ers didn't have the right players. He eventually got the right players in 2019. Things worked out great. But I honestly think you know, last year was Sala's masterstroke when everybody started getting hurt. Sala needed to adjust his scheme a lot. And like I mentioned, 49ers had a, a top-five defense, at least in terms of yards allowed. That's probably a big reason why he's the head coach of the Jets now, because that was impressive. Uh, Ryan's is going to be figuring things out on his own, you know, realizing his own challenges. And I was mentioning maybe a switch to more, you know, man-blitz-type coverage schemes as opposed to a, a zone cover three, which the 49ers had traditionally, you know, used for a while. Um, all that said... I think that probably is a ceiling, or the Warriors could finish with a top ten defense. I don't know if I'd put that in the top five. I think a more middle of the pack defense is probably a little more realistic, you know, fifteenth or something best, and, and then you know, hopefully Ryan kind of puts a few pieces together. Some of these younger members of the secondary uh, eventually start to showcase themselves, and and you know that defensive line finally solidifies and hopefully stays healthy. But, 
there'll be some growing pains in year one. And I think it'll be reflected in the standings by the year's end. So I, that, that, that knocks out one of my last couple of questions because I wanted to ask you about Ryan getting that defensive coordinator spot this past January. But I do want to dive in here. You guys have a very veteran cast at secondary. Obviously, Luke mentioned Jason Brett coming in and taking that spot for Richard Sherman. But, I mean, you look at the rest of your defensive or the rest of your secondary. I mean, Johnson came in 2014, Ward 2014, Tart 2015. You have a very good standing, long-running secondary. But you guys spent yeah, some traffic, two fifths, a third. Kind of break down that secondary for us. Yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting about that, like the, the youngest player, in, you know, who's projected to start is Emmanuel Mosley, and he's been around the league a little bit. You know, he started in the Super Bowl. You know, so it's not like he's a fresh face. Um, you know, Quan Williams, I think, is going to turn 30 years old soon. He's your nickel corner, and you know, when he's healthy, he's one of the best in the game. Jaquaski Tart and Jimmy Ward, um, a starting safety duo. Again, they've been together um, going back to to what 2016, I think. Um, so you know, you've got a lot of consistency and carryover, and a lot of veteran presence there. Uh, two issues: durability. Um, you know, Jason Barrett, we talked about. Quan Williams missed eight games last year. Uh, Jaquaski Tart, uh, he's landed on injured reserve, I think four out of his six years, um, you know, missed a ton of games these last four seasons. Um, he's back on a one year deal anyway. Jimmy Ward was healthy last year, but he kind of has that injury reputation too. Um, so you know, that's, it's, it's kind of like a plug the gap group. Now, granted, they played together for a long time. You know, even Jason Barrett was on the roster in 2019. He only saw two snaps, but still. Um, they played together for a long time. But you can see with the draft, you know, I mentioned the two uh, rookie cornerbacks, um, you know, Dimadori, Lenore, and, uh, and Ambry Thomas. Um, you know, those guys, hopefully, you know, if they pan out, I mean, again, we're talking about rookies, so we don't know. Um, the safety out of USC, Talano Hufanga, um, you know, a guy who put together crazy stats in like six games for, for the Trojans last year. I think he had like four picks and like three sacks you know, for, <laughs> for, for six game stretch. That's not bad. You know, um, yeah, his game the hope is he even, yeah, yeah. Hard hitter, <laughs> fun guy to watch. And if, and if you watched his introductory call with the 49ers after being drafted, it was like, Okay, cool. You're a fan favorite already. Like, we can get behind you. You're, you're cool. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, but you know, early on, be a special teamer, and maybe just the hope. Uh, you know, Kwasi Tart probably isn't back in 2022. Maybe that's Ufanga's job to lose at this point. So you're going to see that transition. But to have some of that veteran presence now, I think is going to be important because. You know, what's the common trend? So many defensive backs, when they break into the NFL, tend to struggle. You know, rare is the, you know, the, the guy who comes out like, a, you know, like Mark Lattimore or Jalen Ramsey and just impresses right out of the gate. That's uncommon. You know, the routes are more complicated that you're facing off against. All of the receivers are fast and good, and, you know, coverage schemes are more tough. So defensive backs struggle. Um, and I think the 49ers are trying to take that long game approach with, uh, with those three new rookie defensive backs they drafted. So, you know, if everybody stays healthy, that'll work, but you can't always bank on that. At the end of the season, who do you think, um, 
is going to be the most valuable player to this 49ers team? It's got to be George Carroll, simply put. And, and, and it goes beyond just like, oh, he can put up a lot of yards and, and catch a lot of balls and act as a decoy. He's kind of that locker room leader, that presence. You know, I mean, I, I didn't go to any 49ers games. I was doing all my coverage at home last year because of the pandemic. But in 2019, you know, being in the locker room after a game or at the press conferences, like he was kind of that driving energy and players gravitated to him and kind of that glue that held everybody together, led by example, but also kind of kept everybody loose. I mean, it doesn't take too much to, to see his personality and be like, that guy's a funny guy, you know, and you know, over the course <laughs> of a long season and the grind and the pressure of a, of a playoff push or whatever, you need someone like that. So, you know, in terms of best player, he might already be that on the offense. Um, in terms of most valuable, definitely that. Because there's going to be all those other intangibles like, uh, you know, like the, the locker room presence, the leadership skills, both on the field and off of it. You need guys like that. You know, I think Steve Young used to call them the pillars of the locker room, and he's, he's, he's earned that accolade, and uh, that's going to have to be something that he'll do again. So definitely the most valuable. I, I got to ask you the last question before I let you go here. Same thing I've asked you before when we did this. What's that final record looking like? What are you thinking you guys are going to finish at? Uh, honestly, I mean, the schedule doesn't strike me as something that's overly tough. You know, I mean, the NFC West is a gauntlet. Everybody knows that. That's no surprise to anybody. Uh, the 49ers have to travel, though, more than any other team. I think it's something over, like, 28,000 miles, you know, back Jeez. and forth. That's a lot. That's a lot. And so, you know, I mentioned the defense is probably going to take a little bit of a step back. The offensive line is going to be good, but, you know, does the depth pan out? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to have that 2019-type season where I almost passed for 4,000 yards? Probably not. So I think realistically, a ceiling, you're looking at, at maybe 12 wins and, and 12 and 5. That should be enough to get into the playoffs. And if you're in the NFC West, that, that's a gauntlet of a division. That might win it. Um, I think more realistically, though, you're probably looking at a 10-win team. You know, 10-7 and seven probably still winds you up in the playoffs. Um, and that would be a good turnaround, and it certainly would set up the team pretty well um, next year as you kind of see this transition away from some of these older guys on one-year contracts. How, how weird is it to say 12-5? and five? And not told me. I, I'm so used to so, it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I've talked a little bit to some other people, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they might finish 12 and four this year. You know, 13 and three. And then I'm like, oh wait, <laughs> it's got to train. It's got to train your brain for this. You know, it was, it was that. It was almost like that weird thing when I'm I'm talking about. I, I'm, I'm talking about players going on injured reserve last year. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's going to go on injured reserve. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh, wait, but he's, he's come back. It's almost like a disabled list in baseball. Like, you'll come back. Like, <laughs> he's got you know, a 15 Yeah, yeah. It was like, I mean, injured reserve before last year was like, that was, that, that was a season crusher. Like, okay, you're done. <laughs> like, see you next year. And so I'm still trying to remind myself that I'm like, no, but that player was named to injured reserve. Oh, wait, never mind. So yeah, now it's a 17 game season, and it, it's it's almost like the um, the the, uh, the Raiders or the Chargers 
dollar jar. You know, anytime you said like the Oakland Raiders oh, or the San Diego Chargers, it's like yep. put a dollar in that jar. So now it's going to be the 16-game <laughs> season dollar jar. You know, anytime I mess that up, it's like, oh, and goes a buck. Save that for a rainy yeah. day. Well, the show we were talking to before, too, Carlos Sanchez uh, with the Raiders. He's like, we're going to go eight, eight, and one. <laughs> and I can tell he's like, oh, crap, it's a 17th game. <laughs> yeah, Raiders yeah, we didn't doubt. Add a tie on the end of it. You're like, yeah, you know, they'll go uh, nine, seven, and one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it was, too. Like, you know, I don't know if you caught him when you were at home, but he's like, we're going to go eight, eight, and, and one. <laughs> eight, and one. I'm yep. like, yeah, he's right in the pocket. <laughs> yep, yep. That's the exact way to go about it. Just if you mess it up, save yourself that dollar and tack up a tie. <laughs> All right, so, so what, what, is your final, what is your final pick? Because I'm writing this down. I'm going to go 10 wins. I'm going to go 10 and 7. I'm going to go 10 and 7, and God, they'll, so finish, they'll finish second in the NFC West. Um, I hate to say this, but I still think Seattle wins that division. Um, the Rams, I think, it could. It could. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not bought into Cliff Kingsbury. I think he holds that team back, but, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, the Rams, I, things could either really go well for the Rams or really poorly. So they're a bit of a wild card. But I think 49ers finish second, 10-7, and seven, make it into the postseason. And, hey, look, after what happened last year, that's, that's a bonus. And, like, to be fair, not to, like, drag it out, obviously, with you, but this NFC West is, like, the complete – Opposite. It's like the complete Donnie Darko of the NFC East. Like it is incredibly different how much this division performs in, in front of other divisions. Like you could have four teams that all should make the playoffs. Yeah, and and what's crazy too is that you could have a team in the NFC uh, NFC West that goes, you know. I'm gonna do my numbers right. I was like, you can have a team in the <laughs> NFC West that goes nine, seven, and one. There, there, I tacked it on. Uh, the team that goes 9-7-1 and, and winds up, you know, like, missing the playoffs and, mm-hmm. and, and, and finishing fourth, right? And finishing fourth in the division. Like, you're last place in the division, and you had a, you know, a nine-win season. Like, that's how insane it is. Meanwhile, uh, last year, you had a seven-win team win the NFC East. And, and, and it's just like, oh, you know, and, and I do think the NFC East will be better this year. You know, I think the Eagles will be a little bit better with Jalen Hurts. I mean, Carson Wentz was just throwing gifts you know, like all all year. Um, you know, he was the Oprah. Cowboys should be, yeah, and the Cowboys <laughs> should be better with with Dak Prescott back. Exactly. The Giants probably better with Saquon Barkley back. So we'll see, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's not a gauntlet. It's not a gauntlet at all, and and the NFC West is. I mean, you pick one, any one of those four teams, and you say, I, I could see them winning the division. You know, it, I can, I can that, easily see them winning the division. Like that's the yeah. Any one of those teams could could significantly win the division and make a run, and nobody would bat yeah. an eye at it. But then you watch the NFC East, and you're like, Ooh. well, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. You're, I'm like, you oh, the NFC East. Yeah, you look at the NFC East and you just wonder who's going to, you know, like which team's not going to be as bad as the others. Like that, that's who wins. You know, is Washington. Last year it was like Sunday night football was the game to win the NFC East. And they're like, 
the six and nine Redskins are taking on the five and eight Eagles for the division, and you're like, what in the hell is going on? Like, yeah, they're not even going to get to five hundred. The yeah. dumb part is, yeah. is that every year you look at the depth chart, the Cowboys should destroy that division. <laughs> they should. They should. Except every I don't know about year. that defense. They just don't. I mean, they got some young corners, and that's that's you know a big need. But I don't know. That defense was such a disaster last year. It's going to take at least two seasons to fix. So they got Micah Parsons this year. Yeah. 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 Good luck with Micah. Hey, Micah Parsons <laughs> is a god. Okay. Uh, I apologize. I apologize. You, you should. Let me just step on your Michael Parsons. So, Pete, go ahead and plug everything you got for our listeners, man. We went way over time, and I'm so glad we did. That was a fantastic. It's going to be hard for anyone to stop that team preview. I'm just saying that right now, Luke. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you can find my stuff over at NinerNoise.com. NinerNoise.com. It's part of the fan sided network. Um, I'm over at Twitter. At Peter Panacy, it's exactly how it sounds. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't live on Twitter. You probably learned that, like especially during the off season. I always joke. I'm like, some of y'all need to put your phone down when it comes to tweeting. Just relax, go outside, mow the lawn or something. So I'm not as active right now as I would be during like the draft season or the regular season. But you always can catch out my stuff that I write over at Niner Noise. Always appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, no, this is always fun. So let's uh, let's get ready when uh, when we get ready to do the regular season and uh, and go from there. I'm looking forward to it. Oh yeah, well, well see, that, and that's why that's why I've learned to be me and him. Uh, we text, we see him in the tweets, so we make, we make it simple. Yeah. <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> always a pleasure, man. I'm not even gonna hit him with the. He he's not even getting the Rev X. Just so you guys are aware, he's not getting hit with that. He's gonna hit with the uh, the, the Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Check out his work. He's fantastic. And we'll be in touch soon. Uh, we got some more stuff on the pipeline. I want to get you included with that. So uh, we'll talk soon, Pete. All right. Sounds good. Hey, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. See you later. Pete Panacy. San Fran 49ers. Let me hit him with this joint. Bye, Felicia. He gets the ice. Felicia. Nice, nice and easy. Man, always a great interview. Always one of my favorite people. Look, this is why I was texting with him and, like, trying to get this to work the other time because he comes with the goods, man. He delivers it hard. You, you uh, threw a question at him and he's like, hold my effing beer. And he's right. going to tell you about this beer. He is somebody that we will be inviting to be sportscast radio fantasy football. That is if you haven't been invited to the fantasy football league, it's probably because of this. <laughs> Do you know what that sound bite was, Luke? <laughs> yeah, this your kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he and he also he also has the uh you know you remember the Fetty Wap? Fetty Wap's my boy. Here you go. I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm again. like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> we got the uh, the Sydney dropping that dropping that Fetty Wap for y'all right in the face. <laughs> oh my God! I'm like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this soundboard, man. There's some good shit out here. We got this. Stay in your lane. We got the little little, little, little var ball. 
We got the swaggy P on here. Came a long way, haven't I? I went from getting snitched on to pop put a ring on. Oh. <laughs> I'm a champ. Swag champ is here. He's so good. Sit side and put the ring on. <laughs> The yes pay is out of the way. Let's move into some fun here. So we have three games that we're going to play today. Well, two games. We have real MVP, better than a game, and three strikes. So before we give our predictions, I want to do this right here. To all the moms out there, real MVP coming at you, sponsored by DraftKings.com, which we don't have a promo code, so it's not actually sponsored by DraftKings.com anymore. <laughs> Forced to have it, and I caught myself, God damn it. My real MVP, Luke, goes to Corey Kluber. Pitcher for the New York Yankees. He had a no-hitter the other day. He has the first no-no for the New York Yankees since David Cohn did it in 1999. So the Yankees mm-hmm. have not had a no-no since 1999. That is my real MVP. That's a good one. That's a very good one. I thought about that one. I also thought um, Cam... Talbot, but he made me mad in tonight's game, so I took him off the list. Five goals <laughs> um, um, My real MVP for the week is LeBron James for hitting last Ooh. night's game-winning three. Hey! And the reason why is because I don't think anyone else on that Lakers team could have hit that shot. And if he would have missed, there's probably a good chance the Lakers would have lost, in my opinion. But... He is my real MVP. Also, his ankle for not breaking when Draymond Green went up hot on him. <laughs> Let's go. I like that. I like that a real MVP. That gets it with this shit right here. It goes off. <laughs> little level up action on that. You know what I'm saying? LeBron James. Hey, he is that game winner. That was fantastic. Uh, I'm excited. We're going to beat the Phoenix Suns. It's not going to be an issue. They're going down. Are you a little nervous? A little no, nervous, aren't you? You're a little not nervous. Not no, no, no. No, no, no. Although if they not do easy. lose, I if, if, I'm not saying they will, but if, at least they lose to like someone tight like Chris Paul. Like No one can hate Chris Paul. Yeah. What are you doing over there? Jeez, who's this? <laughs> I was watching something. Uh, Mookie Betts uh, picked up the ball for the catcher. Mookie ball. Like, what a bad hockey night. So I just replied, dog shit. That is the real MVP. Now, we are going to do our week one predictions. But I want to try to... I want to try to recoup this and bring this back. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Power Five, you know, move away from the... I did not mean to hit that. Damn, you're going hard with those switches, man. Don't ever get you hydraulic. What about this one? Here it comes. 
because they're individual sports. That's why, and the tennis one, I nailed that one. Those are the first ones I nailed. Is the Formula One driver that Andretti guy or whatever it is? Mm. Mario Andretti? No. No, he, oh. he retired like 15 years ago. <laughs> I, I don't know any Formula One driver. Number Number one? After selling a proper 12, he is now worth $180 million. Connor McGregor. Dang. I'm shocked, I'm shocked you didn't get that one. Um, number two, Lionel Messi. That's a no-brainer. So is this one. Number three, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's a no-brainer. Number four, because of his giant signing bonus, Jack Prescott. Crazy. $66 million signing bonus on a four-year, $160 million deal. Number five, LeBron, you got. Number six, Neymar. Thought you would have got him. Number seven, Roger Federer. Best tennis player alive. Maybe not. I don't know who that is. In my opinion. You know who Federer is? Like, I know the name, but I don't know who he is. He made point zero three million on the field, off the field. He made ninety million from uh, from Rolex. <laughs> uh, number eight, another one that I thought you would have got, Lewis Hamilton, Formula One driver. He's the uh, the Mercedes driver. Okay. Number nine, Tom Brady. And number ten, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, huh? Mm-hmm. He's trash. He chases championships. <laughs> All right, you ready for my three strike? I am ready for your three. Do you, do you want the sounder? No, nah, I don't care about no sounder. Oh, okay. Uh, top ten NBA I'm right here players. Oh, uh, sorry. Okay, <laughs> top ten NBA. Points per game, like of all time, not just like this oh, season. All time? Yeah. Oh goodness, okay. Michael Jordan. Number one, thirty point one two points per game. Um, Allen Iverson. Uh, Allen Iverson is number seven with twenty six point six points per game. LeBron. LeBron is number six with 27 points per game. Wilt. Wilt is number two with 30.7 points per game. Uh, What about Oscar Robertson? Oscar Robinson is number 10 with 25.6 points per game. Okay, so I have... One, two, one. six, seven, and ten. Yeah, one, two, six, seven, and ten. Let's use a guy that was on your list, and let's say it was Kevin Durant. Number five with twenty-seven point oh two points. Okay. Um, in the sixties, he was averaging like thirty a game. So it had to have carried. Let's go with the logo. Who is the logo? Jerry West. You know the logo? I've never heard that man be named the logo the, in my the life. The logo of the NBA is Jerry West. 
Is it really? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Jerry West is number four with 27.03 points per game. Okay, so I'm seven for seven. Now you're tight. Um, you're missing three, eight, and nine. Carl Malone. That is your first strike. Carl Malone is number 12, 25.02 points per game. I feel like Kobe's too obvious if they don't want to say him. Um, oh, who's uh, Elgin Baylor? He had to have scored a ton back in the day. Elgin Baylor was number three with 27.36, so you're missing eight and nine. Oh, my God. Uh, James Harden. Uh, James Harden is number 11, so that is your second ah! strike. James Harden averages oh, 25.14 for his career. Are, are any of these players current? No, the last two are not current players. Oh, my God. I'm never going to be able this. I'm not a Kareem. I'm not going to get this. Kareem is it's your third strike. Kareem is 13. Um, the it's, final it's, two. It's going to be something like George Gervin or something, isn't it? Yep. Number eight is Bob really Petit. Is. Yep. Number eight is Bob Petit. Petit. Oh, Bob Pettit on the Hawks. Yep. Yep, with 20.36 points per game. And number nine is George Gervin with 26.18. Oh, I would have never got Bob Pettit. I would have never got Bob Pettit. I would have never. I, in a million I stumped years you. Got you got more than I did, but I still stumped you. I'm going to count yeah, that as a success. I would. Have, I would have never got Bob Pettit. Like if you would have gave me seven strikes, I would. Have, I would have said like Shaq or like Dominique Wilkins or Larry Bird. I would have never got Bob Pettit. You would have stumped me regardless. Huh? I'm surprised Kobe was so low. I thought he'd definitely be in the top ten, but he's not. His, his first three years, he only averaged like six points a game. As part yeah. Of and then the last part of his career, he wasn't playing a lot. Like, if yeah. you look at his total points, he's got yeah. a shit ton. Like, look at how many more points he has than, like, Big, big O Otto Robertson. Because he had so many games at the start and the end of his career he didn't play. Yeah. That it just hurt his average. Yeah, that's what I figured. You know, he played 20 years at 33,000, almost 34,000 points. I almost said Carmelo, too. I didn't even see where he ranked. Yeah, I don't know. I can't believe I got Gervin after the fucking Iceman. (laughs) But I would have never got Bob Pettit, so it doesn't matter. All right. Is it time for uh, week one predictions? Yep. Yes, it is. Week one NFL predictions. Coming at you here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why I played that that theme song. Shout out to uh, when uh, when. We met uh, 
I can't remember the guy's name. Bishop, Bishop the Don Juan from the, the Snoop Dogg group. Where my thought is. <laughs> Here's the full one. We're sitting at Excalibur. We're getting Kovalev level award coverage. What's your thought, Bishop? Well, my thought is that this is kingdom business, and we're taking care of it. <laughs> Hello. Hello. He didn't pick anybody. Literally, listen to what I asked him. We're sitting at Excalibur. We're getting Kovalev level award coverage. What's your thought, Bishop? Well, my thought is that this is kingdom business, and we're taking care of it. Hello. <laughs> Doesn't give us a winner whatsoever. No. <laughs> that guy's drunk. This is why we just kept on me. Well, my thought is... <laughs> Get that out there. Um, I, I used to have some music for the NFL. Not anymore. I had the... What is this Niners intro I have? Would you be surprised if Justin Fields got drafted before Mac Jones? We've seen Mac Jones now get inserted in this conversation. Oh, that was from the last time we had home yards. I get it. That being said, we'll hit that. Uh, we'll hit that split take. Let's move into Week One predictions, starting off Thursday, September 9th. Luke Cowboys at Tampa. I got Tampa. They got Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm going to go Tampa Bay as well. I wrote Lucas. Fuck my Dang, name. Lucas. Lucas <laughs> Dukas? <laughs> Lucas Dukas. Um, new games coming in the next on the uh, uh, the 12th of September. Jaguars at Houston. Uh, so this one... I chose the Jag because I'm assuming Deshaun Watson will not play. I picked the Jaguars as well because I predict Trevor Lawrence is going to go ham right off the bat. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers at the Washington football team. I chose the Los Angeles Chargers to win this. I am going to do the same thing as well. We're on the same page here. Uh, going in next, we have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Field Stadium. What the hell it's called? Yeah, I think it's called Lucas Oil Stadium. I have uh, the Indianapolis Colts beating the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, I would Seahawks, another road team. But uh, I, I like that. I like seeing some sort of uh, transparency in our pictures. Uh, I know we have the New York Jets traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. I have Carolina winning just because I think Sam Darnold will show his revenge. I have the same thing. I also went with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, We then have the Minnesota Vikings traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Uh, I have the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm not picking the Bengals over the Vikings. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Shit, I don't even care if I'm a homer. Uh, there was the Arizona Cardinals traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. I got the Cardinals. Yeah, you damn right. You do. That's what I have as well. Better to get that job. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Uh, San Francisco 49ers taking on 
in Detroit, Ford Field, the Detroit Lions. I have the 49ers winning this easy. Easy. I am going with the Detroit Lions on a victory. Uh, Then we have the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. I have the Bills winning. My boy Josh Allen. (laughs) I got the Bills as well. Uh, In the Bird Gang matchup, Eagles traveling to Atlanta to take on the Falcons. Uh, I have the Falcons winning this one. I also have the Falcons. I feel Kyle Pitts is going to come in and show his worth and have a great game to start his career. Uh, Cleveland traveling to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this one's going to be the game of the week. I have the Chiefs winning, but only because they have Patrick Mahomes. If they didn't have Patrick Mahomes, the Browns would win. Then we have the Packers traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. I got the Packers winning just because I think Aaron Rodgers is still going to be there. So I do too, and I think the Saints are going to fall off hard this year. Um, Denver Broncos taking on the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium in New York. I have the Giants winning this one. I also have the Giants winning this one, ironically. Um, the Miami Dolphins taking on the New Orleans Patriots, New England Patriots in Foxville. I have the Dolphins winning. You know what? I also have the Dolphins getting that dub. We're on the same page again. Um, we have Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears taking on the Los Angeles Rams in the new stadium for the Rams. I can't remember what it's called. Uh isn't it Sofo? Sofi. Sofi. Yeah, that's Sofi. it. Yeah, Sofi. Uh, yeah, that's what it is. You're right. Yep. I got the Rams winning. I am also taking the Rams over the Bears. And then Monday Night Football, Ravens taking on the Raiders. I have the Ravens winning. <laughs> I do as well. So we have picked every team the same. Except you have Niners and I have Lions, and you have you have Colts and I have Seahawks. Otherwise, every other game we were identical. This, this week one wasn't like too like the hard pick for me was actually the Browns Chiefs game because I think the Browns are going to be super good this year. Yeah, they have a really good chance to be that good. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that was my hardest pick. The other ones were all just kind of. Not, I don't want to say easy, but there's a lot of mismatches this week. I mean, in like week one. I'm intrigued though by it. Like I'm definitely intrigued by it. Yeah. Um, we gotta. We'll move on next week, or we're gonna have our next two teams. Wilder and Fury breaking news agree to a third fight. It is definitely going down. Purses are split 60-40 for Fury in this trilogy fight. The date looks to be August 14th. If they can't make otherwise they're going to try for July 24th in Las Vegas. So that's some breaking news with that. Why? Okay. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, and Joel Embiid are the three finalists announced for the NBA uh, uh, MVP. It deserves to go to my boy Jokic. I think the way Steph Curry's been playing, man. 
Yeah, I suppose he didn't really have anyone with him this year. His best player with him was Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. What do you guys say um, about Andrew Wiggins, bro? He's a former first-round pick. He's former trash on my fucking dick butter, too. Oh, God, dick, dick butter. <laughs> uh, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, and Ben Simmons for Defensive Player of the Year. LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and Tyrese Halliburton for Rookie of the Year. Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, and Derek Rose for Sixth Man of the Year. Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant, and Michael Porter for Most Improved. Um, looks like Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder, and Tom Thibodeau for Coach of the Year. Oh, Tom Thibodeau is going to get that with the Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks, sure. man, they, they might make it to the second round of playoffs. I mean, there's a chance they should go. Now, Dodgers up 3-2. Two outs Dodgers. in the you said you had some questions for me. Uh, let me scroll down my page here. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Um, you're an ad Dodgers fan. You're, you you worship the blue. Um, should Dodgers fans be worried right now about the Dodgers and how they have fallen off in all their injury woes, Ryan? I don't think so because they're still 25 and 18. You know, it's a 162-game season. You figure most teams are going to be – most teams are going to finish 60 and 60. It's just a matter of what the 40 games are in between it. Yeah. Unless if you're the Twins and then you're going to finish like 160. (laughs) Um. What role do you think uh, Pujols is going to play once everyone's healthy? Is he still going to start, you think, or do you think he's just going to be like a pinch hitter? And No, he's been starting playing first base last. Say he had a two-run homer. Uh, two right now against the Diamondbacks, yeah. He had a two-run homer, knocked in Will Smith. Um, they're doing good. Dang, I didn't know that Will Smith played for the Dodgers. Yeah, as uh, what was the text I got? The text was finally Will threw somebody out. That wasn't it. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, strikeout. Joe Kelly. Can't remember what I got something. It was something yeah, like that talking about the Men in Black. It was it was pretty funny. And Men in Black's a time. I might go watch some Men in Black after this. Here comes the Men in Black. Step up, Will. I thought. Oh no, it, it was home run. The Fresh Prince says that because Will Smith did a home run. That's what it was. Dang, the first, that's a tight show too. <laughs> when when Jazz got thrown out the house every day. The man in black. Oh, yeah, I, I, I texted uh, uh, Drea, the person I've been talking to. I said, hey, do you want to talk about the Dodgers on the radio? And she's like, oh, dear God. And I was like, we're talking about them. I was going to throw her on the spot unless you interview 
Starts all questions. <laughs> God, no, you don't want that. You remember when Sydney drew on your walls? That's a good <laughs> No, no, not just that. You wouldn't be that guy. You would, you would be an adamant professional. I would. I don't have any more Dodgers questions. I was just wondering if we should be worried because their whole team's hurt. I mean, it's not. It's not happy. Let's see, I got asked, should I be worried? Yes, you should. Absolutely. We're a bunch of, we are a bunch of generates here. I mean, well, should I be worried? About her coming on? No, about us being hurt. I mean, no, not this early in the season, I don't think. I mean, like you said, it's 162 games, and we're in game, like, what, like 40 or something? Or close to 40? Yeah, they're they're in game 44. Yeah. I wouldn't be worried. Now if, now if these players keep missing time and we're getting in, like, game 80 or something, you might want to – you might be a little worried then, but <laughs> – She said, I mean, yeah, but it's May. We got time. We're worried about pitching. In the long run, yes. <laughs> Damn it, I just ate a gnat. It was nasty. Yeah, they're like, come over to my house, gnat. No, I mean, they, they, got, they got a good team. I'm not too worried about it. I'm more worried about the wild than anything. Worried about those twins. <laughs> I'm not worried about them because they're just a lost hope. <laughs> they're so trash. They're, they're so trash. The man in black. What did she say? She said, but our offense will pop off soon enough. We're doing better now with Pujols and Bellinger, and McKinstry are making their way back. We're good. We're good. I said, you want to sound off on it? <laughs> I was like, hey, woman. I didn't want to say that. I'm going to go try to beat this conquest one last time. We ain't off the radio yet, fool. I know, but after this, I'm going to. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm about to hit you with something real quick. Hit me. Hit I'm me with you. I'm about to hit you, baby, one more time. I'm about to give you an opportunity to redeem. To redeem yourself. From everything that we had earlier today. Ladies and gentlemen, EC3. I need you to name for me the top 10 NFL rushers of all time. Of all time? Yeah. Emmett Smith? Number one. Marshall Falk? Uh, number 12. <clears throat> That's one. Oh, really? LT? Number seven? AP? Number five? 
right. Eric Dickerson? Uh, number nine. Okay. Uh, Jim Brown? Uh, number 11, that's two strikes. Ooh, damn. Um... Oh, no, he's not one. Frank Gore? Frank Gore is number three. Okay. Uh, how many do I got? You, you're missing number two, four, six, eight, and ten. Ten and ten and ten. Hum. Hum. Um, how many of you should get? I'm sure. Uh, Barry Sanders? Yep, number four. Walter Payton? Number two. Okay. Um, so this is six, eight, and ten. I think you got a chance to run for nine, maybe eight. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe seven is your massive number. These are a little more difficult. Are they older players? Yes. Well, 2005, two of them ended in, in 1998. The other one did. So 16 years ago for two of them. Oh, what was the name of that one? Shit, I can't remember this dude's name. Jamal Lewis? And that is the third. Dang. Jamal Lewis finished 25th. Uh, You missed Curtis, my favorite Martin. I wouldn't have guessed him ever. Jerome Bettis? I was thinking of him instead of Jamal Lewis, but I went Jamal Lewis instead. And Tony Dorsett. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that one either. I thought you might have got Martin and Bennett for not sure that. That is two hours. We have hit the time. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good. I want to embarrass Paul Pierce one more time. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday. We'll be back at our normal time. Uh, hopefully with two more team previews as we try to get that working. For now, Paul Pierce, I apologize for your convenience, but uh, you ain't a like your bitch, so I'm going to punk you out. We'll see you next week. Like I said, if you put them in the Eastern Conference, they could be fighting for that playoff spot also. Winning an award, though, man. Yeah, I mean, I can't take it. If it's we don't, either one. Because, see, there's an ostrich on Ben Simmons. because he, Oh, there's a what? There's an ostrich. ostrich. Because he's in I his second ostrich. year. He had a chance to. <laughs> asterisk. Asterisk. You are killing me tonight. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like East Coast <laughs> killing me. <laughs> you guys, y'all just speak proper English. We every do, second. Paul. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs>